Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's episode is presented by Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based subscription meal kit that makes it easy to cook irresistible meals to fuel your body. Each week, choose from an expansive and delicious menu of dinners, lunches, breakfasts, and snacks. Every box is an opportunity to learn and experience something new with easy recipes and fresh pre-portioned ingredients. No shopping, no food waste. Just globally inspired, restaurant-quality, plant-based meals. Get $30 off off your first box by going to purplecarrot.com and entering code PODGO30 at checkout today. That's PODGO30 for $30 off your first Purple Carrot box. Purple Carrot, easiest way to eat more plants. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello, hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going. We are recording kind of early on a cloudy Sunday morning today. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get up. Mm -hmm. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I'm only on my first, so I am jealous. But you got up much earlier than I did, so... Not by much, but yeah. Yeah, so heads up, there will probably be lots of animal sounds in this week's episode because Smooch is being very affectionate today. She is. I will do my best to cut out the really annoying ones, but if you still hear some cat sounds and maybe the occasional belch from Willie, you're welcome. Right. There's just some added flavor to today's episode. Chef's kiss. So before we get into it, I do have to open up the corrections cubby. (gasps) What is it this time? It's not really correction. It's more of an apology. So when I rendered the audio for last week's episode, the Hinkley Fire one, I had to think about it for a second. (laughs) For whatever reason, your audio was super quiet. Oh. So you could hear me loud and clear, but you sounded like you were whispering. Oh, no. And I didn't catch it until Saturday. So it went out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. Because normally I listen the the first day it comes out. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I didn't listen to it. And I also was a complete moron. And I had scheduled. Well, you didn't listen to it because it was Thanksgiving. Well, and I also was a dumbass. And I had scheduled it for Thursday morning instead of Wednesday morning. So then I had to like, because I went to go check. And I was like, where is it? And so I went into Buzzsprout. And I was like, oh. I scheduled it for Thursday morning. And so I had to publish it right away. So yeah, my apologies for not only for it being late, but also for the audio quality being horseshit. And I was able to go in and fix it. So as of Saturday, at some point, the audio was what it was supposed to be. And I did apologize on social and I did relink it everywhere. So hopefully you had a chance to re-listen to it and could actually hear Madison. So (laughs) sorry. Willie burps in your general direction. He does. 
that's literally never happened before and i was like of course the one day i don't listen to it that's just like murphy's law or whatever oh yeah absolutely all right so now i'm gonna close the cubby today's episode we're continuing with the mercember dismurder whatever we want to call it theme dismurder dismurder It's the most wonderful time of the year. Murder. (laughs) Murder edition. All the horrible things. Just to keep you grounded. Yeah, just to neutralize that joyful spirit of the season. It's the season to be jolly, but like not that jolly. Like tone that shit down, people. Right? Come on. We're all depressed at this point. It's okay to be down. (laughs) okay it's okay we're just being down with you that's all right join us so this week's episode is going to be about joe the quilter Ooh, he's not bad (laughs) he's the victim in this story oh my god i just immediately went to human skin nope nope okay cool so it's not like a horror movie it's not a horror movie it's a very sad story Oh, bummer. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe, and your Joe's blessed memory. You. <laughs> yeah, that's so uh, not on fleek. Oh, yeah. I bet he doesn't even pad his quilt. So gross. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Joe. That's my pre-cubby. <laughs> I'm, gonna put, I'm just going to slide a note in the cubby. Door. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Information for this episode was pulled from the following sources, and there was a lot of them this week. A 2018 Mental Floss article by Emily Petsko, a 2018 BBC News article, a 2018 Selvage article by Matthew Henderson, 2018 The Northern Echo article, 2017 Northumberland Archives article, 2016 History Blog article, 2015 Hexham Courant article. I probably said that wrong, but whatever. (laughs) And the Beamish website. And I'm also going to be including a link to a video produced by Beamish that does an awesome job of discussing the project that I'll mention at the very end of this episode. Okay. And it's a little long. It's like 15 minutes, but it's very much worth a viewing. So you can get a better idea of the setting. Okay. So and links to all these articles will be included in the show notes as they always are. You want to know how I know we're recording early? Hmm. I was about to ask you if this is recent. <laughs> Not that our podcast is called Ye Old Crime <laughs> with old having an E on the end and us specifically stating no crimes past 1900. <laughs> <laughs> it was about, was this <laughs> Oh my God. I love that so much. I had to share. I couldn't, I couldn't keep that inside. I'm really glad you shared that because that was amazing. <laughs> How recent was it? <laughs> there was a lot of articles in 2018. Was it, did it happen in 2018? <laughs> it's a five-year anniversary. <laughs> oh, okay. So Joseph Headley, who would later be known as Joe the Quilter, was well-known and well-liked in his community in Warden, Northumberland, England. Okay. He lived alone in the countryside, tended to his gooseberry garden, which Ooh. sounds delightful. It does sound delightful. And made a living as one of the best known quilters in Northern England. Hmm. And he was also a warden? No, that was the town he lived in. It was called Warden. Okay. I was like, that's really funny that he's like a warden who quilts. (laughs) (laughs) 
articles about him and I'm just like when did it happen (laughs) Joe you (laughs) this is gonna be a t-shirt poor Joe (laughs) poor Joe poor Joe okay so he's a quilter and he has a gooseberry farm yep which is really cute yep although we can't be sure according to the staff of Beamish which is a living and working museum that shares what everyday life was like in 1800s North England That's very specific. Well, and I'll go into it later, but it sounds like a really cool place. No, it sounds super cool, but just what a niche market. They they also do, so they have like an 1800 section. They also have a recreated village from like the 1950s and I think the 1940s. So it's not just the 1800s, but like... I just, so we can't have them on the podcast. (laughs) We probably could. I doubt they'd be interested. (laughs) They'd be like, who? Who are you? We're number two in Uruguay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're number two in Uruguay. <laughs> whop, whop. Holla, like, Uruguay. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> That's not our target market. We're in England. So according to Beamish, it's believed that Joe lived in the same two-room thatched roof cottage since his birth in 1750. Wow. Joe apprenticed with a tailor, but the trade didn't suit his skills. Taking up quilting... He was adept at decorative stitching, including intricate floral patterns, figures, and geometric shapes that he'd painstakingly stitch into the linen and cotton fabrics he used for his quilts. Wow. So he kind of crocheted a little bit too then. Yeah. Cool. Joe traveled all over the country selling his beautifully intricate homemade quilts, some of which were shipped over to Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and even as far away as America. Wow. Wow. The Beamish Museum is in possession of, uh, I think it said three of his quilts, one of which was made in 1820. Nice. I read that not a lot of his quilts have survived, so they're kind of like a super rare item. I bet if they were super delicate mm-hmm. and people weren't able to be delicate. Or like pass them were, on. They were using them. Yeah. And even though his quilts were like, Obviously, lovingly and like painstakingly made, he mm-hmm. didn't sell them for a lot because he didn't want to be greedy and make a lot of money off of his craft, which I thought was interesting. That, that's very sweet. And on that note, even though he's famous for using a border pattern that became known as Old Joe's Chain, like many independent craftsmen of the time, he was poor and relied on the generosity of the parish and his neighbors. That makes sense. Joe had a wife named Isabel that was 25 years older than him. And although he, I couldn't find information on when they married or how long they were together or even when she passed, it's understood that he tended to her as she was bedridden for eight years before she died. Aww. And by the time of her passing, Joe's vision had begun to fade and he had to give up quilting altogether. What devastating. Yeah. And he didn't travel a lot during the time that she was sick because he didn't want to leave her alone. Yeah. So, I mean, by the time she had passed, he was pretty much like destitute. So instead, he spent his time tending his garden, looking after his chickens. And even though he was feeble and very poor, 
Joe's cottage was known as a bit of a refuge for travelers and peddlers, as he would regularly open his doors to those in need of a warm place to stay. Joe. Yeah. So overall, he just seems like a really nice guy. I mean, based off and everybody kind of said, you know, he was very well liked in his community. Yeah for being very um, humble and gracious and giving. It sounds like it. Now it gets sad. No, it's already kind of sad. Joe was last seen alive the night of January 3rd, 1826. On his way home, he'd obtained a pitcher of milk, a pound of sugar, a sheep's head and pluck or offal, which is basically the internal organs of animals that would be cast off, but that could be eaten. So basically the really unwanted. Uh, Yeah, but it would have been really cheap. Yeah, or free, or free that he'd received from his neighbor, Mrs. Colbeck. And I guess she had a really good relationship with Joe. And so she was like always kind of providing him with stuff. Yeah, probably for super cheap, if not free. Yeah. And at around 6 p.m. that night, William Herman, a laborer at the local paper mill, paid Joe a visit on his way home from work before continuing on his way to Wall. And that's the town that he lives in. Wall. Wall. When he visited, William noted that Joe was preparing potatoes for supper and had a nice fire going in the hearth. Oh, what a picture. Around 7 p.m., a female peddler from Stamfordham, Mrs. Biggs, knocked on Joe's door to ask for directions to Four Stones since she'd lost her way in the dark. Which makes sense because they didn't have like street lights or anything. Yeah. They're in like... It would be really dark too. Yeah. Especially if like there aren't any stars out or the moon's not out. Yeah. And they're in like Northern England. So, I mean, it's in the countryside, so it's going to be dark unless they're, unless people's like lights are on in their homes, like you're not going to see anything. Well, it's not like they had like electricity too. So you probably see just a little bit of firelight. Yep. So after giving her directions and sending her on her way, it's believed that Mrs. Biggs is the last person besides the murderer to see Joe alive. Mm -hmm. At approximately 8 p.m., Mr. Smith of Houghton Castle rode past Joe's cottage on his way home and noted that the cottage was dark and all was quiet. Which was where? So it's believed that Joe was murdered between 7 and 8 p.m. based on this information. Okay. When none of his neighbors had seen or heard from him in four days, they quickly broke down his locked door and stumbled upon a truly horrific scene. Joe's cottage was in complete disarray and the walls were stained with blood. A stretched out frame bearing a quilt in progress was found with a bloody handprint on it. The items he'd purchased from Mrs. Colbeck still sat untouched on his table. Joe was found in the back room where he stored his firewood and kept his chickens, a pool of blood under him. Some reports say that he was found in the outhouse, but I'm going based on the illustrations that were done of the crime scene, which noted that his body was inside the cottage. Okay. Well, that would make sense, too. I feel like people would have noticed somebody in an outhouse. Yeah. Probably more so than like they would notice something being weird in an outhouse versus someone's house. Yeah. His head, neck and face were covered in slashes. His hands held a number of defensive wounds showing he tried to fight off his attacker and protect himself. All told, he had been slashed 44 times by a sharp object prior to his death. The murder weapon believed to be the bloody garden hoe that was found across his chest. Ugh. Ugh. And that wouldn't be sharp. Mm-mm. Ugh. He was 76 years old. No. No, Joe. 
His cottage painted a picture of the brutal attack. The bed tester had been torn down. And a bed tester is um, the covering on canopy beds, like the curtains that you would close up to. Oh, okay. To like, like pres- four poster. Yeah, yeah. to like pres- keep in the heat and also give you some privacy. Yeah. I had to look that up because I had no idea what that was. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. The face of his grandfather clock was smashed in. Blood was found on the door, chimney, plates that still lay on top of the table, not to mention the walls and floor. His clogs were found outside as if he had tried to flee, and his clothes were covered in mud. Mm. So he did end up outside and was probably dragged back in. Yep. So it's believed that he was able to run outside before being dragged back into his cottage so the perpetrators could finish him off. Oh, it's awful. His cottage was completely ransacked. Drawers open, containers upended, and items not found to be worth much turned over. The only items of any real worth that he possessed, which were two silver tablespoons, four teaspoons, and two silver salt cellars, were the only items that were apparently stolen. Jesus. It's worth it. Yep. In 1891 issue of the Monthly Chronicle of North Country Lore and Legend stated, quote, the only possible motive for the crime was considered to have been a hope of securing money, as it was foolishly believed that old Joe was rich, although he was receiving parish relief, end quote. Yeah, I bet it was probably just another traveler or travelers that came by and he was so welcoming. They saw an opportunity. Well, and I mean, his his quilts were famous, so I'm sure people were under the assumption that he was selling them for a lot of money. Yep. And he was just living modestly and sort of like storing up his fortune. Yep. Yeah. I could see how that would be the motive. And then when the perpetrator realized he's poor, being so enraged, they're just kind of like, I'm just going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. Several rewards were offered for any information that would lead to an arrest, including one from the overseers of the poor offering 100 guineas for information about the killer. That would be just under 11,000 pounds today. Mm-hmm. And they released posters noting that reward on January 17th, 1826. So that would have been a few weeks after the murder. Yeah. Robert Peel, Home Secretary of the time, offered a full pardon on behalf of His Majesty George IV for any accomplices who came forward with information on the killer. A jury convened and determined that the perpetrator had committed willful murder, and although several people were arrested and questioned, no one was ever formally charged with Joe's murder. And it became just another unsolved murder in North England. (sighs) He was buried in Warden Churchyard on January 10th, 1826. Poor Joe. Yeah. An auction was held on Wednesday, March 19th, 1826, so roughly two months after his murder, to sell off what furniture of his remained. All that remained of Joe's earthly possessions were a dresser and shelves, one clock, one bed, one press, one kitchen table, and one corner cupboard. And I'm assuming... They had to have really cleaned or maybe even restained them mm-hmm. because every single one of those things had blood on them. And the clock was busted. Yeah. So they must have put a new clock face on it yeah. or glass covering. Yeah. But yeah, back then they didn't really just throw stuff like that away, especially if it was well made. So yeah. it would make sense that they would just have to clean it up and resell it. Yeah. Around the time of his death, several penny dreadfuls were published, describing in gruesome and embellished detail the story of his demise. Hmm. 
because this was such an awful crime. Like it spread like the entire country of England was soon aware of what had happened to this poor old man. I bet. Yeah. He was just an elderly man that wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. An example of this is quoted from the Northern Echo article. Quote, they found the body of the murdered man, his gray hairs clotted with blood, his skull discolored with bruises, his face covered with gashes and horrible to relate, his throat cut from ear to ear, evidently with a blunt instrument, all gashed and torn, the windpipe severed, the head hanging from the body. <sighs> wow. Joe's cottage was torn down 46 years after his death in 1872. And by 1873, the location of where it once stood was lost. Mm. Fortunately, his home and story have since been revived thanks to the Beamish Museum that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Staff and members of the community of Warden were able to unearth clues on what, on what his cottage may have looked like during an archaeological dig in the area. A replica cottage has since been constructed with some of the original stones and has been painstakingly furnished with items that would have been similar to the ones he owned. The staff was able to piece his life together using the postcard that was created um, after his death mm -hmm. and historic auction records that detailed the items that were sold. And it's um, that's kind of what the video is about. They detailed the process of digging up the site where his house once stood and it ended up being like bigger than they thought it would have been. They brought in people were, who were familiar with the methods with which a house at that time would have been constructed. So they were able to... So they tried to construct, construct it as accurately as possible. Yep. As historically accurate as possible. His thatched roof um, was thatched with heather, which they like gathered from some fields that were in the area where it originally stood. Nice. And they even, based off the illustration on the postcard, put in like a crack on the exterior that was on the outside of the building from some sort of damage to, the, to his house. Interesting. Like to a T. That's yeah. Kind of it's really cool. So I really encourage you guys to watch the video that is in the show notes because it's fascinating to show, to see like the steps they took to recreate this house and sort of honor this man's memory. They were able to find some of his possessions in the archaeological dig, like a handful wow. of things they were able to kind of clean up and include in the house. So it's really cool. And obviously with COVID, I have no idea if you can actually visit this place right now, but if you live in Northern England or around there and are able to check it out, I encourage you to check it out. Absolutely. And that's the sad story of Joe the Quilter. Oh, man. Well, sorry, Joe. We'll never, I, you'll never really know who got him. No. That's a bummer. Mm hmm. So I've been asked to do some promo for these two lads, Ryan and Paul, for their podcast, Cold Callers Comedy. Quite honestly, I've never listened to it because it sounds like sh. But what I can tell you is that my show, Artie's Artist Act, is one of the segments, and that is an absolute peaky blinder you can't miss out on. Whoa, what the hell, Tom? You meant to promote our show, not slag it off. I couldn't care less, mate. Well, you should. You're on the podcast. Yeah, how about a little gratitude? Brain, show them how grateful we are. Your precious podcast. Gratefully accepted. Um, we're not giving it to you. Admirable. What a mistake. 
So yeah, listen to my show, Cold Callers Comedy, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and all the other podcast platforms. The podcast rises. Come here. So this week's podcast plug is Cold Callers Comedy, which are our friends Paul and Ryan. Nice transition. Yep. <laughs> and I love them so much. They're so funny. The impressions they do are hilarious. Their jingles are perfect. The segments they do on the show are always entertaining. And if you like hearing one-star movie reviews to try and guess what movie is being discussed, this <laughs> is the podcast for you. Awesome. They've been great friends of ours almost since the beginning. So mm-hmm. go check them out, pick up some of their holiday merch and enjoy. Yay. And this week's question is from Julia of the Always Time for True Crime podcast. Okay. She wants to know, do you like cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Grew up in Iowa, came to Minnesota and visit Wisconsin often. And I was also a very picky child. So my diet until I was like 12 was potatoes and cheese. My nickname growing up was the Dairy Queen. Yep. Because I love cheese so much. So no, I actually don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It is the worst. And I hate that you even brought it up. (laughs) The worst. No, I actually still eat cheese like every day. I have like cottage cheese in the morning and yeah, I'm a big fan. What about you? I also am a huge fan of cheese. It makes me kind of sad that I can't eat a lot of it now because of my very late stage lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm a big fan of cheese curds. Oh, yeah. And fried and not fried. Yep. And, you know, cheese on crackers. Yep. Cheese with fruit. Mm hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Cheese is great. It's pretty great. Pretty much the best. I feel like you're somebody I probably wouldn't trust a lot if you didn't like cheese. Or like, no, if you hated cheese. Yeah, if you hate cheese. Because you cannot like cheese because of what it does to your body, you know? But like people who are disgusted and like can't even conceive of having cheese, it's different. It's a little, it's a little suspicious. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Not that we don't like you vegans out there and stuff, but... No, but they still try to, like, make their own cheese. Yeah. You know? Or mm-hmm. mimic the flavor. Like, uh, nutritional yeast is has, like, a cheesy taste. So if you use nutritional yeast or... What do they call it? Like, noosh or something. Yeah. Yeah. hmm See, even vegans like cheese. They like ghost cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend cheese. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> Fake cheese. It's, it's fake cheese. <laughs> what, would it be like cheese farts? Because it's just the essence of cheese and not cheese. <laughs> this has an essence of cheese. Alter cheese. What if there was like a like an a fragrance essence of cheese? <laughs> oh my god! What kind of cheese would it be? Do you just smell like cheddar? I was just gonna say cheddar, or like a sharp cheddar. Yeah, or um. The cheese that they put, like the the Mexican shredded cheese, because that's pretty fragrant. Mm-hmm. Essence of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Melt hearts. <laughs> they call it something like chase. So it's, it sounds French. Essence of chase. <laughs> On that note, what's something good you want to share? <laughs> um, 
actually. So uh, my partner and I, we decided to give each other. Um, well, actually, next week is our six month anniversary, which is insane. But um, I know we started talking during the pandemic, but we were at Target grabbing things and they had a sale on Nerf items buy two, get one free. And so we got the Nerf rifles that have nice. foam balls. Oh yeah. And it's been really fun. Uh, he got me like right on the brow bone, oh, like no. on, the, on my <laughs> eyebrow and I got him in the neck and I got him so hard in the neck. It looks like a hickey. Oh, and it's still <laughs> there. <laughs> but like I have a tiny apartment, but we're still able to Kind of run around and play. Yeah, load it and have fun. And then Willie is like nervous. He's because he doesn't want us to get hurt, but he's also gets like really jazzed. Mm-hmm. So every time um, when we're out of rounds, he like grabs a toy so we can play tug of war with him because he wants to be included. So we play tug of war and then play another round and then um, smooch keeps finding these foam balls everywhere. <laughs> so much will like find them for us. And then we have a little bowl with the foam. Cause like Willie doesn't care about them, which is good. Cause they look like cheese balls. They do. Yeah. But Willie is a texture dog. And so he tried putting one of these in his mouth and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful that he doesn't like them. But yeah, it was super fun. Playing and I'm actually a much better shot with a fake rifle than I thought. So nice. Pretty impressed that I got him. I, I got him in the neck and then I also got I got him in like the cheek or something too. Cause we were we were like hiding low mm-hmm. and we would pop up and <laughs> shoot. <the> <laughs> I got him right in the cheek. Oh man. But yeah, that's my that's my good thing. It's just been fun to kind of do something like that because he was talking about how that there's like actual nerf obstacle courses and like nerf areas that kind of simulate like paintball mm-hmm. things. So maybe we'll do that. Someday. I'm sure it's similar to like airsoft and stuff like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's what he was talking about. So maybe one day we can do something fun like that, but I really want to do it in mom and dad's backyard, but we'd have to do it when we can find the balls. Yeah, it'd have to be like in the spring summer. or something in the summer. Yeah. So yeah. What about you? What's your good thing? All I'm going to say is you need to make sure you're wearing protective eyewear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I will. So. Yeah, because it goes 90, 90 FPS or whatever. Feet per second. And, yeah. And it's, it hurts. He was it like, does, it does hurt. Because he hit me with it. And I was like, ow. It's like, that doesn't hurt. And then he hit himself and he was like, like yeah it does so we try to be like farther apart but it still smarts if you get the right ankle Mm -hmm. protective eyewear yes we don't let the girls play unless they're wearing like some sort of goggles goggles or glasses or something yeah so my something good (laughs) i love how it's taking me a long time to think of something we're going to get brunch today. <gasps> you are? Mm-hmm. Where are you getting brunch from? Village Inn. Ooh. Nice. So you're going to do like a whole smorgasbord pickup? Mm-hmm. Nice. And they do an awesome job, actually. Like, 
packing up their to-go stuff, like they they use those like separated yeah foam things. But not only that, they put like underneath like the hash browns, they put like mm-hmm. a tin foil sheet to try to like keep it keep it warm out. and stuff. So I was very impressed by the job they do to I really like village anything liquid is in a container. Yeah. I like your village in. When we were like having pseudo sister dates, mm-hmm. um, there were times where I, I wouldn't be able to visit often. So I would I would visit and have dinner and then stay the night. And then you and I would have breakfast the next day before I went back. And I always liked that. That was always really, it was good food. Mm-hmm. Like their hash browns are really good. They mm-hmm. actually like crisp them without burning them. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. It is hard to do. Shredded hash browns are hard. Nobody talks about it. It's hard <laughs> to make them because they're either like limpy and crunchy or limpy and like mushy or they're too crispy and dry. It's really hard making decent hash browns, like even at home. Like, yeah, especially at home. I feel like the ones that we make, they end up being like super oily because yep. we need to use a lot of oil to actually like crisp them up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder what they do. Like if they... Well, I'm sure they make them on those like big stovetop things. And it's probably a lot easier to control the temperature that way because it's a certain heat. Yeah. And they just like squirt the oil and then. Well, you can spread them out a little easier too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember from my days working. At Perkins? At, I didn't work at Perkins. Oh, no, Country Kitchen. Country Kitchen. Country Kitchen. There's still a few of those left. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot. Yep. Back when I used to be a waitress. Mm-hmm. In the smoking section, back when smoking sections were still a thing. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Anyway, brunch. Excited about brunch. Brunch. That's that's really exciting. I bet the girls are really excited. Yeah. Because you get to make it. It's always a it's treat. It's not just picking up food. It's like picking up food that is more exciting than your average. Like bowl of cereal and grabbing a happy meal or something a little different yeah shall we we shall you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com we're also on twitter at yieldcrimepod and on instagram at yieldcrimepodcast it'd be cool if we could get to a thousand followers on instagram right now we're like just over 700 i realize that's that's a lofty goal but it'd be cool if we could achieve it maybe someday soon someday maybe something we say will explode good or bad Maybe there'll be a good meme on there or something. You can email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. A great way to support the show if you want to help out but can't financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review. We, oh, that's right. I need to read the super awesome one we got from our friend Brad at the Doomsday Podcast. He is an amazing human being and you should definitely check out his podcast. It's produced by Funeral Kazoo. Which is that's the company name? Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing, and uh, yeah, you should go listen to it because it's great. I'm actually going to ask him if he if we can um, get his promo to put on the show sometime. That's awesome. So his five star rating and review is as follows. The subject line is hot take yield crime podcast over my favorite murder. What? Right. You flatterer. That's a pretty hot take. Yep. 
He said, Lindsay and Madison are great partners in yield crime. I thoroughly enjoyed the first time I heard them and began a binge from the beginning of their library. The episodes are well-researched and comedic, and the topics are well-curated. They quickly replaced my favorite murder in my rotation. Wow. What? That can't be. I mean, I mean, it could, but like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So Brad, you're my new favorite Canadian. Yeah. You're my new favorite. Because, yeah. That's awesome. It's just that's quite the compliment. Like they have their own network. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably the Karen. All we need is this. Oh, pff, I'm definitely Georgia. Like <laughs> I'm Karen. <laughs> All we need is a Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. All right. If you want to support the show financially, you can do a one-time donation at Buy Me a Coffee. If you want to do a monthly donation, you can join us on Patreon. We have lots of bonus content, including links to episodes where we have been guests, some special bonus content that you can't find anywhere else, early ad-free access to our episodes, and you can support us for as little as $5 a month. Not a bad deal. Not bad at all. You can also purchase merch on our Public. Mm-hmm. There is a sale this week, December 9th through the 11th. So you can get up to 30% off. And this is also the last week where you can purchase your limited edition Willie merch. Oh, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. With 100% of the proceeds going to Can Do Canines. So with 30% off, that means $14 tees, $20 phone cases, $30 crewnecks, and way more available. Our friend Bree recently purchased the Willy tote bag and we're going to put it on our Instagram. So thank you, Brie. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm still waiting for mine to come and I'm, I'm so stoked. T public sent me this lovely little message and they're like, it's still going to come on time, but it just hasn't shipped yet. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't imagine how busy they are right now. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm so excited to have Willy on Willie's face on a shirt forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Go get one. He's really cute. He's seriously like the most handsome dog ever. He's such a handsome boy. So handsome. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. <laughs>